Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 47 of History on the Table. Another month, another episode, Rich. I know, another one in the books. We made it in time. Just just in time. You're back from uh you're back from a little convention. Yeah, a little convention where we played a big game, so yeah. good time. We'll get your AAR on that. We're going to talk some games. We're going to talk some books. We're going to do all the things. This episode should be out on April 27th, 28th at the latest. <clears throat> so if you're listening to this as it drops, if you're listening to this before April 30th, this is the final week for early bird registration for Historic Fest. So you get a discount, you get a little beer sign, all that cool stuff. But more importantly, early registration helps us plan. So if you're coming to join us in August in Kansas City, go sign up. I forgot about the beer stein. I just wanted to sign up early. Yeah, well, a little a little bonus. So yeah, if you're coming, the early registration really does help. Let's us plan, let's us know, like, all right, let's let's do this. All that stuff eases my mind. And uh yeah, so once that is done, after April thirtieth on the Facebook page, we'll just be promoting all the uh, events that people are looking for, helping people find games, and then we're just run the final countdown until August. Not that far away. No, it's gonna be here before before we know it. So we did a little thing uh, a couple weeks ago. Our friend Bill Simone joined me for the presentation of the Historical Board Game Awards. Uh, we did that on YouTube, and of course we've announced it on the website and stuff, but. It was kind of done between episodes, so we've not had a chance to recognize the winners of the Historical Board Game Awards. So, the Anglo-Zanzibar Award, which is a long way of saying the best small form mm-hmm. game, was Flashpoint in South China Sea, designed by Harold Buchanan, published yeah. by GMT Games. If you want to know more about that one, listen to our short game extravaganza from a couple months ago. Yeah, absolutely. Don't watch the video where I... <laughs> Did the whole Oscar flub. Most innovative game design and game of the year was won by the same game, a game Rich and I both thoroughly enjoy, and obviously so many other people do, John Company second edition Cold Worldly Worldly Gig Games. Oh yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, it was a fun little process. Looking forward to twenty twenty three. Okay, I think that's all the beginning stuff to get out of the way. Do you have anything? Uh no. Did you want to talk about the game draft that we did or? Just let them find that on their own. So if you're listening to this and you have not listened to the 2023 board game draft, Rich was kind enough to join me and three other participants for a drafting of what started as five games. And spoiler alert, we ended up doing a bonus round. Uh, <laughs> for six bonus games. round sunk me, I think. It Well, at least in my eyes. I mean, overall, <laughs> I think you did much better than, than me. But yeah, that was a fun, fun process. Yeah, it was a good time, and yeah, it'd be interesting to see what we do for next year. If we just we're just gonna take those games off the list and go from there, or do something else. Yeah, they're drafted. They're gone. They're off the board. Right. I gotta say, I really appreciate. Uh, there was some really great lists submitted on our Discord from people of what their five or six picks would be. Listen, I think it was Bruce that just had like all GCACW. Yeah, pretty much. two GCACW <laughs> picks. Lots of World in Flames going, which I yeah. think makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? No, let's get to it. All right, Rich, I've got a game for you that 
I was so our Pacific War game got a late start last month and really just turned into a, a good BS in session talking about coin and other games. And our buddy Carl mentioned he's been playing this game of and I will bet that you have never heard of this series. Empires of the Apocalypse. I have never heard of that series. Okay. So Carl sold this to us as basically and I, I may be misremembering, but in my mind, it was OCS-like, but you also, like, actually bring on manpower in this grand campaign game. And they've been playing the the full kit and caboodle, and, and his description was really interesting. And so I started digging around, and there's a title. Or the, one of the entries in the... You can, like, buy each one individually and then combine it for a monster game. Kind of like TSWW, but... Okay. So Triumph and Fall of the Desert Fox is the... Africa portion and the kicker here for me was it comes with a torch scenario which not a lot of games do because torch is kind of over why would you game it Um, but that's like one of my favorite parts of Africa and I've always looked for games that do something with torch and so that's in this game and this could be combined with the rest of the empires of the apocalypse but I didn't set my that's not my goal I want to play this Africa game and just see what this this series is about so I found a, a great online retailer that had super cheap shipping, sent it out right away, included like a little caramel candy. And I don't even remember who I bought it from. I should have looked, but it was like $13 for this game. It was published in 1998. And it has this atrocious hex representation of swamps. And one of the things on the back is, and now the number one reason to buy the game, the most beautiful swamp hex in wargaming today. <laughs> now, this was 1998, but I got to tell you, this is one of the worst swamp hexes I've ever seen represented <laughs> on a map. So something uh, something we normally don't talk about from a publisher. This is published by Udo Greb Game Design from Bedburg, Germany in 1998. So the games are out there and you can track them down. Um, and and basically, yeah, it looks like it you can buy it on BGG for like 15 bucks. Yeah, I found it. I found it for like an actual game retailer, and I can track it down and, and put a link to the show notes and bought so two copies. It? Well, I haven't played it yet. This is oh, okay. just... I'm going to set it up. It looks like 1998 art, but uh, Carl had really nice things to say about it. I think it at least is an interesting... For 13 bucks, it sounds very interesting. Nice. And really, that's... I had a quiet month. I I have some things on the way for May, but that's kind of it for April. Hmm. Okay. Well, I picked up a couple. Um, one I picked up from Carl <laughs> from Nagel's. <laughs> Um, he was he was selling a bunch to raise some money for the uh, the other con, and uh, and I picked that one up. So that's Hexasim's uh, Waterloo game. Uh huh. So I have played, um, I think it's Rising Eagles, the Austerlitz game, and I really enjoyed that one. So when I saw this one come up, I, I wanted to get that. So Fallen Eagles, and then the other one I picked up, um, everyone knows and knows well, is Sekigahara. Which is actually a game that I had sold a little while back, but my daughter, <laughs> who's now getting into war games, she came up to me just a couple of weeks ago and she said, hey, what was that Japanese game with the blocks? And she goes, I really want to play that one again. So and You smacked your forehead. Yeah, so I had a chance to pick it up and, and I got that one. Because so, I know it's going to get played, so it's it's always worth it if, if I've got someone that wants to play it. So that joins the the prestigious ranks of yeah. last hundred yards is a game you got rid of and reacquired. Yep. That's, uh, that's two now. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to do the, 
some of those Austerlitz games sometimes. I know I keep saying yeah. it, but we we really the should dive into games. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. There's like I think there's four of them. I think there's a, a, a Quadra Battles and actually Austerlitz and Oligny. I think is the other one. Yeah. Well, or even the um, Toikanatsu, or I probably butchered that. Oh yeah, but the yeah, Japanese yeah. game, like any of those, I would I would gladly play them. Yeah. Okay, so we took a similar path for books. I did not reach the end destination. So I started with the goal of ending up where you are at, uh, and okay. this will make sense in just a second. So I'm reading An Army at Dawn okay. because even though I didn't want to – even though I wanted to start with the Day of Battle to get to the Salerno stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I just couldn't do it because I've, I have An Army at Dawn. I've always wanted to read it, and so I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. So I'm reading Rick Atkinson's An Army at Dawn. If you're unfamiliar, this is a trilogy uh, covering World War II, and it's really focused on the U.S. – path right like it and I, it, it does spend a lot of time in the british army but it's really from u.s entry yeah it's probably and yeah probably u.s focus i mean it's it's i think he calls it the liberation trilogy so it's yep. yeah, the, the european war of world war ii so i spoiled it but you're obviously reading the yeah. second book yeah so i read an army at dawn i think a couple years ago um and i enjoyed it it didn't really like blow me away or anything it was just it was just good solid um, but for whatever reason, I'm really liking Day of Battle a lot more. Okay. And maybe it's just I, I really knew almost nothing about the Italian campaign. And there's really just a lot of fascinating stuff in there. So sure. So I haven't finished it yet. They are they have landed in Anzio. And, um, you know, that's that's about how far I am into the book now. So I got a little while left to go. But it's really good. I'm enjoying it quite a bit so much so that. I'll definitely want to read the third one, although probably not as my next book. Have you, uh, and maybe not, but have you done anything with, he's got the uh, the Revolution trilogy that he started. Uh, he did, is that The British Are Coming? Yeah. Yes, read I read that one. Yep. Okay. I'm like I enjoyed half... that one, yeah. So last month I picked that back up. Like I've gone very slow with that. It's, it's pretty good. I'm only about halfway through it, but it's it's a slow burn. Yeah. Good. All right, so... Outside of that and Triumph and Fall of the Desert Fox, I had a very quiet month uh, playing Salerno 43, <laughs> and a lot of my games were turned into just chit-chat sessions or people were away at cons, and so I didn't do much. So uh, why don't you take it away? And I, it looks like everything you've listed here was played at Donkey Con. Is that right? Yeah, everything was at the con. I had a couple of um, online games scheduled for earlier in the month, but I think... They got canceled, you know, stuff came up. So, sure. but I got plenty to play at the Donkey Con to, to make up for it. So for those who don't know, Donkey Con is a, it's a very small con here in St. Louis where it's just a, a very few people, but we all usually play a big game. So there's five or six different big games going, but you know, everybody's going to be playing a big game that's going to last them pretty much the whole week. And then we'll play smaller stuff in the evenings. But so my big game, which I've actually been talking about for a few months, but it's the greatest day. It's a GTS mm-hmm. game. Sword, Juno, and Gold Beaches. So we had seven players. We had three allied players on the beaches, plus an allied airborne player, and then three German players separating their sectors. And we played, we actually started online, but we picked it up and we played the entire first day of the campaign. So um, it was fantastic. I just, I love the system. I loved the game. I loved the experience. Um, It's interesting and good i mean it's it's definitely the best d-day game that i've ever played 
Wow. Um, you know, the, the invasion is actually interesting where you get to make decisions, not just, it's not just like one roll and you're, you know, you take a step loss or something. So it's good. You got to fight your way off the beaches. There's gaps, there's mines. You have to, you know, use the right kind of tanks to take out the mines. You have to get your engineers in position without getting them all shot to hell. You have to use naval bombardment to suppress the enemies. It's, it's, it's just a really, really good game that I enjoyed quite a bit. What side were you playing? So I played the uh, the 50th Canadian Division, which is on Gold Beach, which nice. is the furthest beach to the west, furthest of the of these beaches. I also see on your list Operation Mercury, yeah. which is the one I have played. That's Invasion mm-hmm. of Creed. Yeah. Uh, more GTS, right? Exactly. And yeah, we had such a good time that two of us, in fact, Todd, the... Um, the guy that I played across the table from, we were having such a good time that I already had Crete because I bought it when it went on some super sale from MMP a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. was still in shrink, but he he got online and picked it up that day from a local guy, and <gasps> we just we started playing again when we finished Greatest Day. We just jumped right into Mercury and played a couple scenarios because we had such a good time with the system. And I've got it on my table, so we're gonna we're gonna play some more. We're gonna set up probably play through the scenarios and maybe jump into the campaign at some point. You've obviously spent a lot more time with this than I have, and I don't know if you've played fighting formations or not, but in my mind, no. GTS and fighting formations are both this, I think they both do outstanding things, but they kind of get in a way of themselves. I don't know. Did you feel this way or did that like, so I guess what I'm saying is like when I played GTS, it just felt very fiddly and there was lots of things you had to do to get through to get done what you're trying to get done. Like there was just a lot of steps and not all of them were the most intuitive, but that was also learning the game, not doing a huge deep dive in the rules, having someone explain it to me. And so as you played these more, has the game kind of gotten out of its own way and does it flow pretty smooth or is that? So we were lucky because we were playing with Ty, who's really an expert. Ty is the expert on GTS. Yeah. Yeah. Having him there was, was easy. Um, But as we went, it made more sense. And, um, is it fiddly? I mean, yeah, sometimes, you know, you've got suppression, you've got cohesion hits, there's different ways to wear a guy down and they add up in different ways. You can put, um, bombard or not bombardments, uh, but you can put, there's a different word for it, but you can put bombardments on a guy to reduce his fire zone. So yeah, you can have a stack of counters. The stacks can get pretty high because of all the different markers and everything. Um, but really, it's just it's just trying to show the effects of a determined defense on something. There's it's not a perfect system. There's a couple of things that are kind of weird in that there's no flanking at all. Um, so it doesn't you can completely have a guy surrounded and it doesn't really matter that much. Um, and little things like the attacker can never take a loss. So you just there's there's no penalty at all for attacking. You can attack a guy ten times stronger than you. The only possible penalty is then you know he's going to get a turn two on his turn if he attacks back he'll smush you but um little things like that but overall it was just a great great game and i i really like the system i'm i'm curious to see you know d-day is just fascinating crete i know less about um so i'm curious to see how much i like the system in a different game sure awesome all right what else did you play so I spent my evenings playing um, a variety of kind of silly games that I'm not going to list on here, but I did get a chance to play a couple tactical games that I haven't played before. 
Um, I guess I have played Panzer, but very little. So I, we, we played more of Panzer with the advanced rules and some tanks. I just wanted to try that out and see how I liked it. So we played a game of that. And then I played my first ever game of Combat Commander as well. So um, it was kind of fun to try out a couple different tactical systems. And you had just mentioned Fighting Formations. I think that's the last one on the list for me of like the, the big World War II tactical systems. So Panzer Grenadier? No, I guess not that one either. Yeah, so there's always there's always more out there. There is. The there biggest is. ones I think I've got once I get fighting formations. So, yeah, I enjoyed both of them. Um, you know, neither of them is going to replace ASL anytime soon, but Combat Commander in particular, I really liked that one. Panzer was, it was fine. Um, Panzer felt more like, more like ASL-like, but Combat right. Commander felt like something different. Oh, Absolutely. It's been a while since I've played, but yeah, yeah. I, I haven't played Panzer, but it, in, as far as combat commander goes, yeah, it's definitely its own thing, which is nice. Great. Anything else you play? Uh, you want to talk about? No, we don't need to talk about the creature that ate Shaboy again. Yeah. Or, <laughs> what is it? Tiny, horrible things from outer space. Tiny or green things from outer yeah, space. Yeah, that yeah. one. <laughs> That's a pretty interesting game, though. They, they were fun, but we won't talk about them. They don't need to go on the list. <laughs> So, Rich, I know you're no longer on on Twitter, but GMT put this link out, and okay. it was from this collegiate quiz show from the UK. Did you happen to catch the link? I don't know if they put it on Facebook or anything else. No, like I don't that. remember seeing it. So it's pretty interesting. It was like a bonus round um, for this collegiate game show, and like, the f- okay, and the final three questions in this bonus round were. I should have looked exactly how they phrased it, but it was basically history was the category, and it was historical board games as represented on bgg nice and it was pretty good and the answers were well i won't spoil it for you or anyone listening you can go watch the video and guess for yourself and i just want to say i would smoke all three of those teams or all two of those teams (laughs) for those three questions i'm sure they would kick my ass in every other regard uh so what i thought we would do for the war game game it's gonna be a little different tonight if you're okay with that all right, I'm, I'm up for anything. So I thought this was so interesting that I thought I would do the quiz show thing. I'm not going to copy the answers or the questions from the, uh, the fine gentleman in the UK, uh, but I did pull some games, and the premise is, is I'm only using the description from BGG, which is most often provided by the publisher. Uh, you have to guess the game. Oh, cool. Like it. So a little like the war game game, but like one or two sentences is all you're going to get. But it's going to be more, it should be pretty clear. Sure. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Let's start with maybe what, maybe it'll be easy, maybe not. I have four or five and we can just see how it goes. Okay. This is a board war game about about campaigns in the Spanish Reconquista which is Leonese King Alfonso VI advances against the 11th century fractious Muslim Taifa states and the resulting intervention by fundamental African Muslim army seeking to roll the Christians back. Is it Almoravid? That's right. There we go. Hey, one for one. I like the new game. Let's just stop there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bat a thousand. Okay. Uh, let's maybe pick up the difficulty. Okay. Covering what is this game, which covers the Battle of Stalingrad from October to November 1942. You're going to give me more than that, I hope. 
Well, I mean, <laughs> that, that's the thing. That like, like so what's games. interesting is they really only used, and I guess they added more than what I'm adding, yeah. but. <laughs> uh, Pavlov's house. <laughs> no. Okay. That was probably Streets a bad Stalingrad. pick. I mean, it no, I, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. Storm Over Stalingrad. Okay. That was, okay. <laughs> that was a terrible one to pick. Okay. Let's try a different one. Okay, this game depicts a 100,000-strong Ottoman army arriving outside the Habsburg capital of Vienna. Inside the city, 12,000 infantry and Siege citizens. Siege of Vienna. Yeah, Fire and Stone, Siege of Vienna. There we go. I love it. So it's interesting. On the quiz show, one of them, he's like, this is a two-word title. And I think it was like the <laughs> easiest one. Like the one that, uh, the last one, yeah. he like also gave a drink clue. So I guess he did it beyond, expand beyond Board Game Geek. Um but I was like, that was the easiest one, and you're giving the most juice. The other ones were <laughs> were tricky. Okay, uh, final one. Okay. This game covers the period after the death of Alexander the Great in 323 BC. Successors. Damn it. <laughs> I like this new game. I'm much better at it. <laughs> okay, yeah, we obviously have to mix this up. <laughs> Anyways, a fun video that I thought, like, these, what's interesting is, like, the three people on, or there's four people on the, the team trying to handle this bonus round. None of them had any idea, except for on the third one. Yeah. Um, when the final, well, I'm just going to spoil it. The final one is, like, also a name, a popular, a name for a popular Cuban drink. Does that mean, does that do it for you, or no? No. Okay. It's Cuba Libre. But and so oh, it also like drink. tied. I didn't even know that was a drink. I yeah, guess that yeah, makes yeah. Sense, but okay. Yeah, yeah. That's and funny. so like that was the only one that they had any idea on. It was it was, it was interesting. And they knew so, it because of the drink. Yeah, like exactly. Said, right. Yeah, we may know that, but they know everything else. So yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I thought it was fun, but we'll be back to the normal war game game, or we'll do this. I need to watch that guy and work on my British accent to really get the charm across of that video. Head. Absolutely, I'll have to check out that video too. Yeah, I'll, uh, if I remember when I'm editing, I'll put a link down in the show notes. All right. All right. Well, we have one more game to talk about. One more game. I'm actually there, really yeah. excited about this. Yeah, me too. I okay, enjoyed so it quite a bit. This was your pick, right? You nominated this one? It was, yeah. All right, why don't you introduce it then? Sure. So uh, the, I want to say the latest, but i think it still is the latest the new one's not out yet the north africa's game's not out yet i don't think so right latest in the zakban series if you want to call it that uh by mark Semenich, published by gmt games salerno 43 uh just came out last year 2022 so it's um it's been on my radar i i uh i p500 did it just because it's a Semenich zakban game and why not um and it's been on a lot of the you know the year-end best game list I, I haven't seen it winning those but it's getting a lot of buzz from that anyway and it's um it's a smaller game it's only one map uh so it's you know the other games i played arden and uh holland or both two maps stalingrad i think that's two maps as well if i'm correct but stalingrad's like four or five is it four okay uh, yeah so it's, a big it's much smaller um but it's the same system and it covers the the allied um amphibious invasion of of southern italy after they had already taken sicily and i guess you would call it the mainland of italy italy and it's just a, a great little zakban game i'm i i had a good time playing it um as i was playing it i i kept thinking to myself this is like the era court of the zakban series yeah i think that's a, a great that's very well said just as framework here so 
you said World War II Italian campaign. This is part of this is Operation Avalanche, and so you, this is like a joint effort by Fifth Army. Gosh, I can't even remember anymore. U.S. U.K. Uh, and what's interesting is like Italy was out, and so you have the Germans defending south of Rome still at this point. Yeah, and when you say like Italy was out, it happened like the night before the invasion, right. like the morning of. It was like right as we were invading. So they withdrew, and that left the Germans to defend. And yeah. what's interesting, and what you know, when I was playing live, you're like, you should do a counterattack against the beach. What's interesting is the Germans during this campaign actually tr- they tried the same thing, right? They tried mm-hmm. to drive the beachhead back into the ocean, yeah, to offset this invasion. But Rommel convinced. Hitler in the midst of that to not defend Italy south of Rome. So shortly thereafter with allied forces against the ropes, probably, I mean, who knows how it would have gone. I'm, I'm sure that they would have persevered, but who knows? I'm not the one to say they decided to withdraw North of Rome or to Rome rather. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of an interesting, it's not really a what if per se, but it is, it is kind of an interesting uh, beach landing. It's, it's such a smaller scale than, than Normandy. Yeah. You get basically four landings. You've got like an American landing, a British landing, and then a little further north, you have some American Rangers and some British Rangers that each do a smaller landing as well. Um, but neither side, even even if you put all the counters in the entire game, it's it's not a super counter dense game. Um, no. It's mostly terrain that does the heavy lifting in this game. Yeah, and it's it's most closely related to. I was surprised to hear him say this. So Simonich says it's most closely related to Stalingrad with a good dose of Normandy 44. And obviously he knows better than I do. In my mind, I've always com- thought of it as Normandy 44's little or little brother. Yeah. Um, because you comparing it to Aircourt, which is the BCS beginner entry. Mm-hmm. This is one of the I'm a big proponent of if you want to play a game, dive in, put the work in and enjoy it. There's no path you have to take to playing war games. Right. Right. If you wanted, if someone said, I do want a lighter, good introduction historical game, and I, w- I want it to be a war game, Hex Encounter, then Salerno 43 is like a perfect choice. The The setup is so clean and easy. You match, it's it's a Simonish design, so it has the counter sheet where you set up all your units, and there's, it's as you said, not very counter dense, so yeah. it's easy to set up, it's quick playing, and it's a fairly straightforward war game design with good amount of chrome. Yeah. And, and I can't say enough about how much I like the way Simonish's game set up. Every single yeah. counter has either the turn it enters, or if it starts on the map, it has the hex it starts on. Yeah. And then it's also got the nice little setup cards, um, which are nice for, you know, arranging everything. But even if you literally just threw all the counters in the pile, you could pull it out and you could instantly look at the counter, tell when it's coming on or where it's going to be, which I, I just love. Yeah, and and here it's so bite-sized that, I mean, yeah. like two dozen allied counters, or maybe there's more than that, I don't know what the actual count is, but it's just a really, it's got a great looking map, but it's not a, a table hog. I love Stalingrad 42, but that's a massive game with a lot of, a lot of counters. Mm-hmm. And so this is the same scale as Normandy 44, so it's a little bit zoomed in than something like Stalingrad 42, but you're just dealing with a smaller scale scenario, uh, you know, operation. Yeah. In, in terms of gameplay wise, uh, it's 
relatively you go, I go, uh, meaning the German player will take their turn and they'll work through the sequence of play. There is an optional rule for like withdrawal, which gives a little bit more decision to the non-active player. I didn't play with that at all in any of my plays. Yeah. And I don't remember another Zockbond game that has that rule. No, I think that's new. Okay. Unless it's in Stalingrad and I'm not remembering, I think that's completely new. Okay. And they, they just punch through that sequence of play. There is some decision to be made, obviously, which are retreats or determined defenses or something like that. And then it passes back to the allied player. Um, yeah. And I've talked about, and I think you're with me, is we're, I'm not a huge fan of you go, I go. But here it's just, it's not counter dense. So like turns right. do. It's not like an OCS game where no. you go and two hours later I go. <laughs> right, right. Some of the stuff that a lot of the combat die roll modifiers or the the column shifts they're the zokbon staples like armor shifts or mm-hmm. having armor present and denying armor advantage or defending in a city the stuff that's been present in, in the series before is present but artillery felt a little bit different and otherwise it it shared a lot with again yeah. going to normandy and with this one just has has airstrikes and naval support naval yeah depending on weather more limited than what's present right. in normandy yeah. but yeah yeah but like I said before, really the 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 main thing that separates this one from the other games I played is the terrain. The terrain is just brutal. I it mean, is. it's it's you're almost always going to be attacking. Now, not so much when you first get off the beach, but a couple turns in when you're starting to move into the hills and mountains, you're almost always going to be attacking at half strength. And if you're attacking across a mountain hex side or into a pure mountain hex, not only that, but you're going to be um half effectiveness just moving across it um you were talking about armor shifts you're not gonna be getting armor shifts anymore (laughs) because everything is in the mountains and hills and you can't get an armor shift there so um it is really really tough to dislodge a determined defender and you had mentioned the determined defense which does exist in the other games but this one i think this is a new thing as well but actually adds a layer to the determined defense called there's there's a second determined defense. I can't remember what it's called, but you can do even more in certain search situations. Desperate defense. Desperate defense. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's in some of the other stuff too. Is it okay? It, it yeah yeah. So yeah, so as the Germans, you're basically just trying to hold the Allies. Um, the victory points, if if you care about that, usually with war games, I don't really tally up points just because that's not why I'm playing. But if you care about that, there are victory hexes marked on the board. Um, and this reminded me of your favorite game, Matthew, yes. Civil yep. War, because there are moving goalposts. So yep. every turn, as the allies, there's a, a victory target. So say it's turn four and you have to have seven points or whatever. If you have two, you lose. If you have 12, you win. So five either way is a sudden death condition. But yeah, I, I found, actually... Go ahead. I found that the allies will scoop up a fair amount in the first three, four turns, and then yeah. it get, tends to get stagnant after that, again, because of the terrain and because the Germans are going to get a lot more reinforcements than the Allies will. Yeah, and I mean, I think those moving goalposts are important here just because the Allies are going to overwhelm them. Mm-hmm. And I I really like that one. I like one of my favorite things when I was first getting into historical board games is seeing the, and this was true of U.S. Civil War and Normandy 44. I played U.S. Civil War first, but normandy 44 has the historical like timeline this is where the allies were at this so like you can keep pace with them but it's not the deciding factor in the game 
um, here, like, you know you need to keep up and, and accomplish these objectives. I like that driving force. It didn't feel, like, crippling or anything like that. What What's interesting, I think, on the Germans, and this is kind of... When we talked about Holland 44, this was kind of one of the comments we had is the German players kind of taken it in the teeth, right? And it's a mm-hmm. question of where do you draw your battle lines? Where do you where do you try to defend? But ever since you popped in the live stream and talked about going after the beachheads, I think that opened up the game. Like I was such in a defensive yeah. mindset and pass plays that then going forward and then reading some of the play tips, that turn one knocking out a beachhead is yep. so huge. Or maybe taking Salerno back or or just somehow trying to cripple the allied advance. Yeah, because the allies can never get that beach back and it will limit how many new yeah. units they can land it's for huge. the rest of the game. It's huge. So I think there's even more. Like, how aggressive do you want to be as the Germans on on turn one? But then you risk. Okay, if if you plunge forward, yeah. Well, the Allies might be able to sneak behind you and start coming with supply, especially near up up Salerno. It's kind of easy, I think, to to cut off the Germans if they don't watch their flanks. Yeah, yeah. I found I played it three, well, two and a half times. I played twice all the way through, and I played a, a third time where I made it about halfway through. Um, all solitaire. I didn't get to play against anyone, but in every, I, I found that the best German strategy is probably to hit the American beaches to the south, uh-huh. hit them as hard as you can on the first turn, pull back a little bit from the Brits because the Brits just they've got more terrain and they're closer to, um, especially if they roll well on their invasion, there's a good chance they're going to take Salerno on the first turn anyway. Because you've got uh, one of those variable units that might not be there at all. You might roll, you know, a bad roll for him and he just falls off the map. So, yeah. So you have these units, which are tons of fun, I think, that can be nothing or they can actually be like two defense strength, but they can move or most of them can move. Mm -hmm. So the allied player can't completely ignore them because then they can start messing with supply lines. But also they may like go after them and then it be nothing or it be like a kind of stout defense if you're in a city or something like that. Yeah. One other uh, thing I thought was interesting was the weather in this game is cyclical. Yep. So it's you roll every time when you roll for weather, what you're rolling is to see how many boxes you advance. And then when you get to the end of the track, you start back from the beginning. So it's kind of like you can see a storm coming in and it lasts for a day or two and then it rolls back out. But there's more storms coming in. I have no idea what the weather is like or was like during that time, but it seems like that's what they're trying to model. Yeah, and that that limits the German air force. There's only very right. limited yeah. use and, of the German and the air. Allied air forces to some degree, but not right. as much. Yeah. Right. So one of my biggest complaints, or why Normandy 44 doesn't quite reach Holland or or Stalingrad, has always been this combat factor limitation, which is here and present in. Yep. They do have S- it here. Yeah. Salerno, I think. So reading Semenich's design notes, which are great as always the reason behind that is just so combat is snap decisions it's not perfect calculations of getting four to one odds and and just drawing the game out which i think is important in a beginner friendly game like salerno or an introductory game i'm still not a huge fan of it but it it's not i will say in this one it comes up a lot less than it does that's it, and, and the, the counter ones. density, well, because yeah. it's, it's, I don't know if it's in the other ones outside of Normandy. Right. So it's Holland 44 doesn't factors. have it. Right. Uh, because the counter density isn't as dense as, like, 
yeah. at some point on Normandy 44, when you open the beaches up, like you just have really strong forces coming in. You're able to, you know, maintain the the uh, main attack force composition pretty easily. And it's easy to get a good attack force in certain parts of Normandy. And so it seems to come up a lot. But I that's where I was going with this. I don't think it's as big a problem here because you don't have the density, especially once the game opens up a little bit. Yeah. And I do like I do like that Simonich's games the in the Zokban, they teach you to keep your units together. You mm-hmm. you attack by using units from the same division. Right. You can the usually formations. have something tag along for free. Um, and that's just that's good, especially if you're learning a game and it also gives it some historical flavor as well. Sure. Yeah, which will lead you into something like BCS where, you know, everything is based on the formation activation, so I guess we've we've said the buzzword a couple times, but we haven't really dove into it. And we've talked about it in the past, and that's Zokban. Yeah, which is so. Yeah, which we we should explain it because not everyone knows what that is. Um, so in Simonich's series, and and you'll see these. There's, you know, Normandy forty four, France forty, Holland uh, forty four, um, anything with a a European name, and then just two numbers after it is probably in this series. Um, so this one's Salerno 43, but so the way the units work in this is, is they link up through something called a Zoc bond. So if you have two units that are basically a hex away from each other, they have what amounts to an impenetrable force field in between them. So, so much so that if a unit is forced to recre- retreat across a Zoc bond, it just instantly dies. Um, you can't advance through it. You can't do anything unless you, you break that. Zokban by killing or chasing off one of the units is causing it. So all of his games are based around this Zokban, so they all have a similarity in that the defender, particularly, you're going to see all of his guys, every other hex across his, his line of defense. Yeah, so Zok, Zone of Control. Yeah. This is an extension of Zone of Control. In a lot of war games, when you move into the six hexes surrounding a unit, you usually have to stop or pay more movement or whatever. It varies from every game. This is like an extension of that. Um, and where I was going with this is we had a great question from our discord from scuba and he asked, did you find yourselves using the actual bonds as much in the mountains of Southern Italy? I did not. I think this is a great question. Like Zoc bonds are present, but I never, whereas in Normandy 44 and Stalingrad in particular, trying to remember if, was, if I used them a ton in Holland and I, I just can't remember I really feel like that was an important part for the defender both Germans and, and Russians early were establishing these Zoc bonds to basically deny not only the retreat blocks and surrounding people but it also cuts off supply uh, blocks movement all that kind of stuff so they're, they're important here I just didn't it was present in the game and sure it came up sometimes but it wasn't like a, a, a major thought process in my strategy yeah, and I would say in um, Ardennes and Holland, you'll see them much more, and they will be much more important. In particularly because Ardennes and Holland, even more on this one, even though it does have the sort of moving goalposts, movement for the attacker in those two games is so important. I mean, it's all about a race to the finish line before your your time or your supply runs out. Whereas this one... You are trying to scoop up those victory points as the turns tick off, but it's not as much of a race as Arden and Holland are. Sweet. 
um, combat itself is relatively straightforward. It does yeah. Rich mentioned the determined defense, which is a great component of either choosing to retreat or, or staying your ground, and that can have adverse consequences. But um, it's odds calculation with some shifts that we've kind of talked about already. Uh, what just else are we a, missing? Just a single D six. Yeah. Yeah. The only the only other thing I would say, and this is going to be contrary to other things that I've said and. I, I've just I've been thinking about this a lot and I'm okay with that. Um, so I like that this is a simple sort of introduction game. But as I was reading a day of battle and reading about the actual invasion, I started thinking that there's a lot in this game that I wish was modeled more accurately. And there there's a couple of things in particular. One is that in the book he talks a lot about the Germans blowing bridges, and that's not in this game at all. But that's already in Holland 44 for sure and maybe some other games. So it'd be an easy thing to put in, which I think would be a little thing you could put in, which would make it better. But way more than that. So um, in this game, the Allies, with the exception of a possible German counterattack on turn one, it's pretty easy to expand out from the beaches. The Allies don't really start running into trouble until they get into the mountains, which is two or three hexes out in most places. Um, Historically... The Allies almost had their beaches overrun. They had a hard time holding on to it. The Germans were constantly counterattacking. And in the game, there's a, a day three airborne drop that has to be done, I think, within two or three hexes of a beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's usually done somewhere on the front lines or at least close to it where they can... It's never on the beachhead. Historically, they dropped them on the beachhead because they were about to be overrun. So I don't know if that's because the Germans aren't modeled strong enough on turn one, or, you know, it's just not fun if the allies get kicked off the beach in turn one for the players. I don't know if that's gamifying or what, but that was one of the big things I noticed between playing the game and reading the historical uh, accounts that seemed like quite a disconnect for me. That's very interesting. I mean, uh, I haven't gotten to the book yet, but that's, uh, you know, I mean, that's been... You, you you mentioned that your GTS game was the best D-Day game you played, and we've always said that Normandy 44 is not a D-Day game. It's a, right. it's a Normandy game. Yeah. And so I don't know if that was a, a side effect of, I have this invasion, this beach landing system from Normandy 44, which is really meant to lead to the after landing movement of forces. Um because you're right, the the landings in this game are just roll and see what happens. There's no units on the beach. I mean, you have to move the Germans down to to attack the Allies once once they land. Interesting. I'll I'll be looking forward to that when I get to book two of uh, Atkinson's book. Yeah. So right. again, and obviously you're adding complexity to it. You're always. I just I thought that those those two in particular were a couple of things that I stood that stood out to me as possibly missing from this game. Interesting. I'm glad you brought those up. Anything else you want to say about the game? No, it's fun. And it's yeah, it's a it's... game that you can play at a game day. You know, if you've got a monthly game day with your local group or whatever. Um, like I said, I never played it against anyone. So it's hard to know because I'm playing, you know, a turn here and a turn there. But I think you could play the full game in five hours tops. Yeah, I guess if you really know it. I mean, I so... The, the chance yeah, I got I to play if, this... If you have played these games before, yeah, you, yeah. you've already kind of know it. Right, right. Yeah, it's probably not a bad estimate. I did... So, a few months ago, I played this with Rob, and that was... 
I think one of Rob's first Hex Encounter games. And we only got one session in, but and we made a pretty good dent considering it was someone's first first go at it and I'd have to ask him if he thought that was a great introduction to Hex Encounter, but it, it certainly feels like it, it to me. Uh, which I th- which I think is going to be important to consider in the rankings here because it is a smaller, and and Mark says this again going back to his design notes is this was meant to and I didn't know this meant to be as a small follow up because Stong- designing Stalingrad forty two was so exhaustive. Yeah, it was just supposed to be a lighter, maybe not lighter, but just a smaller project to take on, and so it is smaller than something like Stalingrad forty two. Uh, recommended reading. I think we've alluded to it. There's there's a great big bibliography of a few things in the uh, in the notes, but one of them is the book Rich's reading, and that's that's the day of battle. Yeah, which is excellent. I mean, it covers a lot more than just this, but um, Sicily actually goes by pretty quickly. It starts basically with the lead up to Sicily. It covers Sicily and then straight into this, and then on to Rome from there. So, very good. Okay, folks, so we have a list. A list of every war game ever made, ranked from worst, best to worst, top to bottom, best to worst. From the U.S. Civil War to Zeppelin Raider. That's how it stands so far. Maybe the list will get shaken up tonight, but Rich and I are not the ones to say. As a matter of fact, Rich and I... I don't think we have a new one or a new 68. I... I probably agree with you, <laughs> but Rich and I, whether we agree or disagree, just stick our hands out and mold the the earth, the clay, the mud into this beautiful list. And so do you, I think the measuring stick for me is the other Zokbon games and sure. the lowest is Normandy 44. I, d- I don't think this is as good as Holland 44, no. but that's, that's not like saying that it's bad, right? This goes into when we talked about the lighter games, when we did the whole small game deal, they serve a purpose. And this being a great introduction into the Zokbon game, it's cheap. It's small footprint. It's easy to set up. It plays quick. It's got a low rules overhead, but it's fun. It's just a good hex encounter war game pretty straightforward with a good amount of chrome it's like a good scs design like um but a little bit better it's it's a step above scs so normandy 44 is midway in our list at 33 there's some other stuff around there and i know you haven't played normandy 44 but what are you thinking of that general area around 33 yeah so this this i'm just gonna ignore the fact that men of iron tripack is at 34 i agree (laughs) so I'm, i'm not even gonna compare it to there at 34 but looking at the rest of this list uh, I think last hundred yards is more innovative than this one, and I think uh-huh. it should be below last hundred yards. That that's thirty one, but I think this general area, like I said, I can't compare it to number eighty forty four because I haven't played it, but it feels like this is the right area for it. I think you know down to thirty six, thirty seven, Operation Pegasus, all bridges burning, definitely higher than those, but I would put it lower than thirty one last hundred yards. Okay, so something like Brotherhood and Unity and Reds, you're, you're putting this above that. Uh, yeah, I think I would. Okay, I'm fine with that. Um, I mean, I really am. We're back to playing All Bridges Burning, mm-hmm. um, and I'm super enjoying it again. But they're like they're pretty dead even to me. Um, but the other the other thing about All Bridges Burning is Operation Pegasus, and so there's an easier comparison. That's a hex encounter game. I think this is a better for 90% of people probably 
I think this is a better experience than Operation Pegasus. Operation Pegasus is great, but it carries 43 years of baggage. So I would probably put it above Operation Pegasus, which means it falls in above All Bridges Burning. But also, if you really wanted to push for All Bridges Burning above it, I wouldn't fight it. No, no, I'm I'm good with that. Okay, sweet. So at number 36, we have Salerno 43. Rich, we have ranked 68 games on our list. How many more games do we have left to rank? Only one, so we can get to 69. Yeah, nice. <laughs> No, I guess we can stop if we both rank every game that we own. Yeah. Or then, then we can stop. Or 68 more, right? We can yeah. either do 68 more or play and rank every game we own. One of the two. Whichever one, the one two. comes second. <laughs> <laughs> the latter of the two, yeah. Well, folks, you can help us decide what the next game on our list is, which may be one of these two games, Rich. Yeah, so I'm going to push for Combat Commander. Nice. Um, it's a game, like I said, I've been wanting to play it for a while. Um, I finally got a chance to play it one time, um, so definitely don't want to evaluate it off one play, but um, it's it's a good game. I think it's going to rank fairly high on the list once we get it there, so I'd love to get that one on the list. I, great choice. I would love, I've got a busy month next month, so if... If uh, Combat Commander wins, I'm going to hit Bill hard and heavy <laughs> to teach me or refresh my memory on Combat Commander and get some plays in because I, I know Bill loves that game. My problem with Combat Commander, I've mentioned this before, is the people I played it weren't interested in the game. Mm. And so it just killed and soured the experience. But yeah. so, Bill, you're on the hook if Combat Commander wins. And Combat Commander was the overall draft pick. Oh, first overall. overall draft pick, yeah, so. Combat Commander Europe. That's a good one. So I'm going to keep with the little brother theme. I am very interested in, we have a Twilight Struggle episode. Go listen to it. My thoughts are very clear on that game. Uh, Twilight Struggle, Red Sea, Conflict in the Horn of Africa just came out. Got a lot of love in the Historical Board Game Awards, runner-up on the Anglo Zanzibar Award, hearing great buzz about it. And I have a copy on the way, and I really want to play this and compare it to twilight struggle and also see like this idea of playing twilight struggle and not being reliant on the the steam version or an app or anything like that and just playing it in like an hour 45 minutes however long it takes is super appealing to me so i'm gonna throw up another little brother and that's the little brother of twilight struggle with twilight struggle red sea conflict in the horn of africa i got a favor to ask of you matt yeah since you have a copy of this on the way i want you to do an unboxing video sight unseen I want you to pull the shrink, open it up, and tell me your reaction. Oh, my God. It's going to be a deck of cards and, like, a small map, isn't it? it, it <laughs> I, I saw a copy of it get opened last week, and it was quite the scene. <laughs> All right. I mean, well, we, we talked about that with the small games, right? Yeah. Like, these small games should be in small boxes. Yeah. And I'm going to keep pushing for that because make them portable people <laughs> like rip off the victory point games like puzzle piece shit no one else is doing it yeah. why not do that yeah the only only reason i can guess that they do that is they need some shelf space but it's it's particularly ridiculous with this one <laughs> uh, that makes me well i still i still really want to play the game because yeah. i think the game design in a 
bite-sized piece is really appealing. And then I can bitch about the boxing if it wins because that is ridiculous. <laughs> and getting all hot bothered. Of, I don't have my copy yet. <laughs> Come on, people. Okay. All right. So, if you want to help us decide, you can go to patreon.com slash history table, become a patron, you get to vote, you get some Discord benefits, there's some secret, top secret channels, uh, and you get a little purple tag and all that stuff, but most importantly, you get to vote on our game that we're going to play, uh, which may be Comet Commander, Twilight Struggle, or Federation Commander. I'm not putting that on the list. I don't, I don't have time for that shit next month. But yeah, I don't like think that. we have time for that. So, great. You can go do that and help us get game number 69 on the list. I feel like I feel like these. we should have thought about what game 69 should be. I mean, game 69 will be Zeppelin it's Raider. It's going to be Zeppelin Raider next I, month. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> awesome. All right. We have, a, we have a listener question. We actually had a, a couple listener questions, uh, but... I wanted to just pick a couple of them and, and scuba's was uh, right on topic. And I think it was a great question because we, we talked about Zoc bonds and then how much does it really matter here? So of course we have to get arts, marry, boink or kill question in. And he gave us about six of them, but I, I took the topical one. So rich, this one's hard. Okay. Do you want to, you want to do marry, boink, kill? We both list them at the same time. Yeah, so let's tell the listeners what we're doing. So yeah, yeah. Pacific Theater, Eastern Front, and then he's got Western Front and Med combined. Yeah, that feels like cheating to me. It makes it juicy. All right, so let's start with Mary. I gotta marry the Pacific Theater. I mean, that's that's the that's the long term love, right? Well, for a salty for... old dog like me, anyway. Oh shit! You might have just convinced me on it. <laughs> I was about oh damn! I was about to like. I thought I was clear on this, but then I started thinking about like Pacific War. Yeah. <laughs> and the last hundred yards Solomon Islands, which is a fantastic the rule sets on the Japanese is so good. Um I gotta marry Where's where do you think Africa's in? In Med? Yeah, that would yeah. Okay. Med then I'm gonna marry Africa. Western Front and Med. All right. Which, which really, moving to Boink is obviously Pacific Theater for me because it's yeah. that close. So, yeah, I'll step out on Western yeah. Front, Med, Africa to go mess around with Pacific Theater any day. Yeah. I'm going to have to Boink Eastern Front just because of Hungary. Oh. Can't kill Hungary. Oh, shit. <laughs> I just realized what I did. Oh, no. Oh, Rachel, this yeah, is This is so hard, man. This is oh. not fair fudge damn it <laughs> so i'm gonna kill eastern front which means i'm killing <laughs> finland and i didn't even think about it because outside of finland i actually don't really like the eastern front that much yeah um, i'm kind of the same way with hungary but yeah damn it well maybe i hope maybe, you're happy with what you've done art maybe western front includes finland and hungry. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn it! I'm killing Eastern Depends Front. Depends so, on your definition of the front. <laughs> you're killing. You're killing. Like, at least from our perspective, like D-Day. the main. I know. Wow. In Africa. Yeah. And Mediterranean. Italy. Yep. All of it. Atlantic damn. chase. It's all gone. Wow! I really fudged up. <laughs> I don't know how I could change it though. I mean, like, I never think of myself as obviously we play a shit ton of World War II 
games, but I'm never like, oh, I'm a World War II gamer. Right. Um, so I've never felt like bonded to any of these fronts. I like Western Front because it's what I'm close to. I really don't like most of Eastern Front outside of Finland, but I love Finland. Huh. Yep, was, that's s- trickier than I thought, Rich. I mean, the Eastern Front right, stuff is... Um, even the gaming of it, it's... I don't know. It's it's all really big and a lot of slogs and things like that. I find that the Western Front usually is more interesting, but it is what it is. I guess we do get Stalingrad, and I do like the Stalingrad campaign yeah just because especially in like in song of 42 it's this great if you get to the point it's this great thrust and counter attack which is awesome yeah great great mary boink kill this month art and great listener questions for everyone sorry we didn't get to all of them but that just means we're saving them for the next episode okay this is normally the point in the episode where we stop talking about war games, but I thought it may be fun or not to go through the uh, Golden Geek nominations for Best War Game. Um, I think there's some really cool stuff on here. I have played way more than I thought I did or thought I would have, and there's a few that I, I want to play. I really want to play Resist. Haven't had a chance to play that. Uh, Fire and Stone was a game. Fire and Stone Siege of Vienna was a game that you peel it back the curtain a little bit. I had nominated as one of my picks for historical board game awards. And I was, I think just the timing didn't work out. I was a little surprised it didn't get more love. I think once you have the rules down, that thing plays like just in my experience has been super snappy. That's um, one that I really want to play. It just, it looks really interesting. I've, I've picked it up at miniature market several times, just looked at the box and thought about it. But, um, I kind of want to find someone that has it and play it with them and see how see how I like it. Well, I'll bring it to Stork Fest, and okay, then if cool. if we get downtime or if like you get downtime and just want to pull it out, like it's really yeah. not like you could read the rules and and get up and get playing. Yeah. So that that's I'm I'm glad to see that's up there, which you know that's interesting because that's one of the ones that's coming from a main more mainstream publisher than what we're used to, right? It's coming from Capstone Games, and they have mm-hmm. just put out one of the most highly regarded games of all time with Arc Nova. So that's kind of cool. It's something different. Yeah. Uh, have you played Caesar or Blitzkrieg? No. The, the li- Okay, so Caesar's a lot of fun. I okay. want a copy of Blitzkrieg. It's like these very quick playing, kind of like drawing your your forces to simulate these combats in like a Euro way. It's it's like super fast though. I really want to play Blitzkrieg, which obviously covers World War II uh, from the same designers. But Caesar's fun. I like it's good. I don't I don't know if I'd like really consider it a best of the year, but it's it's a pretty fun game. Yeah. Other other yeah, things on the it's list. It's interesting okay. seeing like Pacific War and um, successors in there that are those are just straight reprints, which obviously you didn't uh, for historical board games. We we didn't allow those, so right. putting those up against the, the actual new games. Yeah, and you know Vietnam's not on the list, but then you have obviously this is the same kind of process that something like the CSR awards use, mm-hmm. where it's public vote. Like anything can get nominated, and then people vote on the finalists. And so you get you get things that you have war game as the category, but obviously that gets stretched when you have something like votes for women on there, which has gotten a ton of buzz and looks really interesting, which is clearly not a war game in the most literal sense but obviously it's a historical game that a lot of people are enjoying 
yeah, it's a good mix. You have Almoravid and a most fearful sacrifice, which is oh, we got to talk about that game at some point. That's a really cool impl- implementation of Blind Swords. Most fearful sacrifices really. Uh, I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did. It's great. So you have like these big meaty war games going against these historical games or these new historical publishers. And you have Slurner 43 on there too. So uh, I, I think it's a great representation of what 2022 looked like in terms of a historical board game award or historical game. And it's got some crossover with the HPGAs, which is cool. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Now, if you're done with the the war game historical game talk now we're going to talk about all the other stuff you got anything going this month anything tickle your fancy Hmm. not really haven't like i said other than swanky con haven't played a whole lot i haven't even really been playing rpgs much i do have my every other tuesday we are still playing warhammer okay i was gonna ask yeah it's still going. Um, we are still on our original characters. We, none of us have died. We have we've come very close a bunch of times. In fact, like just last night we played, and the dice were just not in our favor. I mean, it was just one of those nights where nobody was rolling well, and um, the 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 bad guy got away from us. Um, we had one person had to burn a uh, a fortune point to to not die, but other than that, we're we're still up and running. So I've I've kind of picked out a different fantasy system to start using, but Warhammer Fantasy roleplay was in consideration there for a little bit. Yeah, just the character progression is so interesting and a dark setting, and it's there's so many things that it, I want to play this game so bad some, some yeah. someday. The character um, progression is great. So my guy, he started as a student, and then he became a grave robber, and then he became a debt collector. And now he's basically a hitman. We've got That's another awesome. guy that started as a boatman and now he's a wizard. <laughs> so has your GM, and maybe this is if your GM's like experience in running Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Mm-hmm. My concern with why I chose not to run this is I was going to use it for my own stuff or another source material that isn't warhammer fantasy roleplay and what i've heard is it's kind of hard to balance this game unless you like really know it i don't know has that been a it's hard to know um i will say that our gm does know it really okay. well he's he's been doing this for a long time and he and he is also using a published setting he's using the uh, uh enemy and shadows campaign which is like five or six books or something it's huge and i think we're on the third one now so yeah, he knows it, and and he's using a published setting, so both of those would be allayed by that. Um, as to whether it is hard to balance, I have no idea. I haven't even really looked into the back-end stuff of this. Like, I've never tried to run anything in this setting, so really all I know is from the character side. Okay. I don't know what like monster stat blocks look like or anything at all. All right. Well, I, it's in my definitely want to play and maybe run uh someday and in terms of rpgs still playing some savage world stuff i really like it i did look at it for some stuff but i have you played savage worlds i can't remember yeah i have i played deadlands so which i really like the deadlands Mm -hmm. stuff um the character creation was a lot of fun what what i think my general thought of savage worlds at this point is going through character creation a few times is it's great unless you want to really in-depth character and what are in-depth in terms of the actions that they can take uh particularly in like a magic user 
mm-hmm. um, like making one in Deadlands, it just felt, especially if you started as a novice, it just felt like you can only do so much. Like you're going to be shooting your gun or hitting someone with a whip or, mm-hmm. or, you know, name your, and then there's this whole magic component, which seems really interesting, but it seems kind of shallow. So unless you're doing some kind of action other than melee or shooting or, or something like that, at least right now, it just feels like the depth in that regard isn't there. But I do love it. I like it in... We're doing a sci-fi game with our buddy Art. Mm-hmm. In that you don't... I don't need robust magic. I just need to be a smooth-talking negotiator for a band of uh, smugglers. And that's great. The system's great for that. When we get into combat, I have space weapons that go poo-poo and we're done. And, and that's awesome. But... Um, we're doing Days Volt, and I'm not a magic user there. But even when I looked at the magic stuff in Days Volt, it just didn't seem super deep. But have you ever played Ars Magica? No. What's that? I I don't know much about it. I just know that it's one that comes up in discussions of game systems with really interesting and unique magic systems. Hmm. I've Ars looked into Magica. a little bit, but I'm not sure that that's what I want to do. Cause I was looking for something I, d- I want to, I've been wanting to run something like high fantasy, but not D and D. So I was looking into some other stuff. My friend, let me tell you about Pathfinder 2E. Yeah, really? Uh, I, Pathfinder I in a long, long time. love it. So a pretty big break from 3.5 and, and Pathfinder one. Yeah. Just today they announced new core rule books coming out in November. So obviously, if you got into it, I'd wait for that. The great thing with Pathfinder is all the rules are available online. It's not the best way to learn it, and there's a great starter box, which actually I'm going to be running. Um, I love the work they're doing, just the worlds that they're coming up with. The quality of writing and like their setting books is, is fantastic. I've got so much Pathfinder 2E stuff now, and just the direction they seem to be going with their stuff is fantastic, and the reputation for their published settings is that most of their published setting stuff is like fantastic writing yeah, through heard, through. Is it Kingmaker? Oh, I've heard that's like man. one of the best adventures ever. Dude, hear me out, Rich. <laughs> Viking Con, we change it up and we hey, just I'm do we just do Viking or we just do Kingmaker. <laughs> what would, for would five Lawrence days. put up with that? I don't know. I mean he did <laughs> he did last through two hours of aliens, so what's five days of Kingmaker? I don't know. But I I I seriously have thought about it because kingmaker like you venture into this land and you start your own kingdom and they've updated it to second edition um we should we should chit chat about this i am very balls deep into pathfinder lately and i'm just consuming consuming and i the the rule book just came back into stock and then they announced the new one and of course i just bought it and i'm not even upset what's gonna be the difference between the old and the new it's not a new version is it it's not a new version um they came out with the base rule book. It's like 600 pages and Uh it's player stuff and GM stuff. They've split that. And Uh so, and arguably if you have the original core rule book, you don't have to get the new ones, but then there's the advanced players guide. And then there's the uh, advanced game mastery guide. And so they're putting the players guide with the player stuff and the game master stuff with the game master stuff. And then they're fixing a couple of classes, which is aren't very balanced right now. And kind of one of the biggest things is, they're diverting from the D&D 3.5 open gaming license. And they're okay. really distancing themselves. They've come out with their own open gaming license. And they're making their own thing. And so they are dropping 
um, alignment. Hmm, that's which good. is I like that. Yeah, I mean, most of the time alignment doesn't even matter. Right. There are some classes that depend on alignment in Pathfinder, the champion, which is basically your paladin. Mm-hmm. And they're just reworking that. And there were also some rules in Pathfinder about like alignment damage, like a good character doing extra damage to evil, and that's kind of being reworked. All that being said, if you have every single book for 2E now and this new stuff changes, there might be some wording differences, but everything still works. Other than champions and witches are getting a little bit of a tweak, but it's not any different than errata that they put out. And so it's, I watched the live stream today because I was like, shit, I just bought this book. But after <laughs> watching, I'm like pretty okay with it and really excited for. And character creation out. is awesome. It's all feat based. I like the classes. They're They're just diverse alchemists and you can be a little plant alchemist running around or a hobgoblin mm-hmm. illusionist and or summoner and so it's it's really cool oh i did think one other game i'm gonna play i don't think we have an exact date but probably before we record again we're gonna play delta green oh so i just purged a whole lot of stuff right did you? for the stuff that I'm didn't not sell this i'm playing it so so i sent the stuff that i couldn't move i sent off to noble knight and I got the Delta Green slip cover because I have heard only amazing things about Delta Green. So you are playing in Delta Green. Yes. And this is not Fall of Delta Green. This is the D100 Delta Green, right? I think so, yeah. Nice. I've, I've heard they're both. One's gumshoe and one's just Delta Green's own thing. Okay. I'm very jealous because I don't actually know when I'll play mine. I've kind of like reassessed how I'm doing RPGs, so I'm only focused on Pathfinder. Uh, right now um, so I won't be diving into my Delta Green book anytime soon but that's awesome yeah, I'm very I'll jealous you know how it goes. do you know what scenario or anything you're playing nope don't know any of that yet I just know we've got a new group um, these are actually guys I sing with I've I've run them through a couple Cthulhu oh. nights in the last few months and now one of the guys he wants to run one so that's awesome so has he ran anything before I'm pretty sure he has, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, you're going to have to report in on this because I'm very interested in Delta yeah. Green. I think it'll be before we record again. I think it's going to be sometime in May. Okay. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, so that's, you know, I said it's been a light month. Um, the last month has just been a lot of RPG stuff. RPGs have kind of come to the forefront and just trying to get um, what I, what I, just rearranging things to make things work and make things get to the table. And then knowing that I wanted to run something else, but then trying to find it and then kind of settling on Pathfinder has me very excited for Pathfinder. Yeah, me too. Because like I said, I've been looking for something. I didn't know what I wanted, but I I didn't even think of Pathfinder because not that I had anything against the old version, but I guess I just never really thought about Pathfinder 2.0. I'll send you a link to the rules. It's not, the best for learning but at least you can like click around and learn about all the different you can like see the classes and the feats and there's a free character builder and stuff and that's where i started okay and then um the thing that sold me was uh they just came out this book called the mwangi expanse which is the lore setting for basically the africa continent and then it's just really well written and i really enjoyed it and then i just kept going deeper and deeper so i'll send you a link to the rules and you can around for free nice. it's called archives of nethys if you're a listener and want to find them <laughs> cool awesome all right any other other stuff no that's about it for me 
All right. Well, folks, if you want to come and ask us questions about Mary Boinkin killing or ask questions about ASL or GCACW or Blind Swords, we've had uh, great Civil War talk going on lately. Uh, watching uh, W.A. Wilson fall into the world of, of Civil War more and more <laughs> and more has been uh, awesome, as well as, oh, dang it. See, now I feel bad calling one person out and not remembering the other person that's been doing a bunch of uh, Civil War stuff. I mean, Patrick's always doing Civil War stuff, but uh, now I feel bad. I but yeah, I have not been as stuff. active on Discord lately just because been busy with work and other stuff and yeah, that's how life goes. Yep. Maybe it was... Well, I'm not going to try to guess. Oka, <laughs> Okanemayaka Marine? I'm not even... I butchered that. But they have also been enjoying a bunch of Civil War stuff. So it's been really cool. Uh, but there's also a million other things going on. If you're not one of those people and I didn't mention you, sorry. But there's awesome stuff going on. Uh, talking La Carre books. All that good stuff. You can join our Discord server. Come hang out with Rich and I where the good stuff happens. All right, you got anything else, Rich? Nope, that's all I got. Have a good night, everyone. Come play some games. Yeah. Historic Fest. Yeah. See y'all in August. We'll be back in May. Uh, vote for your game. May's going to be a little crazy for me, and we'll have more details on this, but June's going to be even uh, crazier. But we'll get there. All right, Rich. Everyone, good night. Good night, everyone.